morning. I hope you guys are doing well today. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins and welcome to drboycetv.com, the home for intelligent black people. So if you're black and intelligent, throw your hands up. Uh, if you're not black and intelligent, then we'd like to invite you to get the fuck out. Uh, good morning, everybody. hope everybody's doing well. Um, I see <clears throat> I see all of you here on Instagram. My Instagram is the real Boyce Watkins. So feel free to follow me on Instagram if you want to. Uh, I'm going to let the rest of the uh, tribe know that we're live this, this morning. Um, I, I felt like uh, today was a day where I wanted to talk about Malcolm X. I, I kind of let uh, God and my spirit guide me through uh, what I'm interested in that day. And uh, today, Malcolm was on my mind. I don't know why. I don't know where it came from, but uh, but it's there, and I'm going to talk about it. And I saw a great quote from um, from Malcolm X about white liberals. And uh, in this quote, Malcolm actually said something over 200 years. I'm sorry, I said 200 years ago. What's wrong with me? 60 years ago uh, that basically um, really explains a lot in terms of politics. And uh, so I'm going to resurrect the spirit of Malcolm real quick so Malcolm can give us guidance through uh, all of this. You know, we know the ancestors are wiser than all of us. Uh, we know that uh, they can teach us things that we don't know. And so, um, and I don't know what year uh, Joe Biden was born. I think he was born in 1946. Uh, and uh, let me see here. Let me look up his birthday. Uh, he was born, I want to say 1946. Is that right? Let me look here. Let me see what I got. What do I got? Um, ah, crap. 1942. Okay, 1942. And uh, I believe Malcolm was born uh in 1925 is that right let me double check that make sure i got the yeah there we go there we go so when joe biden was born malcolm x was 17 years old so he was still detroit red at that time <clears throat> but uh malcolm x fascinatingly enough i mean just in, in an absolutely fascinating fashion uh has given better commentary about this presidential election than pretty much every black person on tv you know, I, it's amazing. That, I mean, we talk about a brother's brilliance. Uh, the idea that this man was able to say things in in 1961 that literally uh, that literally apply in the year 2020 is absolutely amazing. So uh, anyway, let me let me dig deeper into this. Do me a favor, please hit the thumbs up button, hit the thumbs up button, share and subscribe button if you haven't done it yet. Also, if you want to get text notifications when we go live. Please text the word "boys" to three one nine nine six. If you text "boys" to thirty one ninety nine six, you can get a text notification. I'm actually about to send that out to the crew right now. All right, so um, so here, here's the deal. Uh, so 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 Malcolm X was a person who um didn't trust uh, liberals. Um, he felt that uh, white liberals uh, pretty much um they exploit and manipulate the black community, and that uh, they pretend to be your friend when they really um, pretty much put you in the state of what they call benign neglect. Uh, benign neglect means uh, we're not necessarily going to, you know, we're better than the Republicans because we're not going to uh, go and, and, and try to harm you physically, but we're just not going to do anything for you. We're going to expect your vote. We're going to demand your vote. Uh, but if, if we don't get it, we, we're going to come for that ass, right? We're going we're gonna to really give you a hard time, uh, but uh, we're not really going to hurt you. We're not going to, but we're not going to do anything for you. You're just going to sit there and you're going to rot and you're going to, your communities are going to fall apart. And, uh, and, 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 and we're just going to pretend like we can't do anything about it. Now I want to give you a, a, ask you a quick question then. Uh, give me a yes or no. Um, do you feel that, um, that the democratic community neglects or the democratic party neglects the black community? Like, do you feel that the cities 
that are under democratic rule um, have become worse off under democratic rule. Uh, you got Chicago under democratic uh, party rule. Uh, Chicago, I I live I live two two blocks a block and a half away from President Obama actually in Chicago. That's where I lived for a long time, and uh, people were getting shot like a couple blocks from Obama's house. I'm not kidding. Like literally, you could go two blocks that way. <laughs> you could be at Obama's house and go two blocks that way, and you better watch your back because people are strapped and young brothers and sisters are being shot down. Like like this was real. This was some real stuff. Um, you know, so so as I was kind of hearing, you know, hearing them talk about the little kids being detained at the border, I was like, well, what about the little kids that's getting their brains blown out two blocks from the president's house? Like that don't that ain't right. <laughs> that don't make no sense, right? So um, so 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 you do agree, okay? So uh, so Malcolm X kind of called this out, you know, um, and uh, and and I thought that that, that it was really interesting to see what he said. And I'm going to actually pull the quote up so I can read it actually word for word because I shared it on my page. Um, I can't remember who shared this with me. Uh, whoever shared it with me, if I don't say your name, I apologize. It's, uh, I'm not engaging in benign neglect. I just can't find your name right now. But if I find it, I will, I will shout you out. Uh, it says this. He says, the worst enemy that the Negro has is this white man that runs around here drooling at the mouth, professing love professing to love Negroes and calling himself a liberal and is following these white liberals that has perpetuated the problems that Negroes have. If the Negro wasn't taken, tricked, or deceived by the white liberal, then Negroes would get together and solve our own problems. Okay, so that's what Malcolm had to say. And I want to ask you, give me a yes or no. Give me a yes or no. Do you agree with what Malcolm said? How many of you agree with what Malcolm said? Give me a yes or no. Yes or no? Do you agree, or am I just being am I just being an ass this morning? Am I am I just am I just being a bad person because I'm raining on somebody on people's parade? I, and I don't enjoy doing this. I really don't. You know, it's a, it's it's really like when your kids are having a party and they're in there like drinking too much or acting a fool, and you're like you have to come in and stop the party. I don't want to stop a party. I mean, I see. I see Roland Martin and people like that doing jumping jacks because they think they're going to get a job at the White House or maybe on TV or something like that. I, I'm happy for them. I really am. These Negroes need jobs. I get that. But I, I just I just have to tell the truth. It's it's, it's just it's required. You know, in fact, I keep waiting. I keep waiting. Just so you know, I, I kid you not on my Facebook page. I know for a fact that I got a lot of professional Negroes on my page, a lot of bougie Negroes, uh, you know, fraternity, sorority, all the all kinds of stuff that are pissed at me, that are livid at when, when my truth pours out, right? And, my, and the thing about truth is that truth can't just come out when it's popular, right? The, the, the ultimate test really is, can you tell the truth when when people are going to get get mad at you? I had a really good friend who literally said, when did you get so stupid? And it made me so sad because I stood by this brother. I was like, brother, I stood by you when white folks were trying to lynch you up. We had the same job. What? What? And so, so it hurts. It's very sad to have to do this. I don't enjoy this, and I and I keep waiting for people to unfriend me on my Facebook page. I swear to God, I kid you not. Like if you're on my personal Facebook page, it only lets five thousand people on, and I'm okay. Like if you want to walk away, like if you if what I'm saying is is too hard for you to consume, then please go, please leave because I have a waiting list like this long of people that did what that this is statistics statistics calls it um 
self-selection. These people have self-selected to to be on my page because they they do they they're vibing with what I'm saying. So so I want those people on my page. I, I don't want I don't want people on there that are gonna just get mad and call me names and and all. I I need the people that really want to build. I you know I, I really want the people who are, who want to solve a problem. You know, in fact, I want to invite. Whoever is not, whoever's salty in here, like whoever's talking crazy smack on, on on Instagram, I think I saw a guy make a terrible comment. There's usually like one hater or two on Instagram, like the trolls just sit around in their mama's basement, like waiting to say nasty stuff on the on, on the internet. Like, I'm gonna hurt your feelings today, right? But 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 I I, I really want to say this. Look, I need to ask you guys this. Give me a yes or no. Give me a yes or no. You, either you're trying to solve problems or you're not. Like, so so are you a problem solver? Are you looking to solve the problem or are you not? You know, seriously, give me a yes or no, because this is real important. I, I really don't care if I only have three people that are listening to me. If I give me three or four good people, I will trade a thousand broken Negroes for, for three good people in the second. Because I need people that want to solve a damn problem. Because you cannot sit here with a straight face on any level, on any planet. You could be as crazy, as crazy as a box of rocks. And there is no way you could look at what we've been doing for the last 60 years and, and, and somehow conclude that we've been making progress. I mean, seriously, like there is no way, like nobody with a, with an IQ above five can look at what the black, where the black community is and what we've gone through and the state of our communities, the state of our wealth, the state of our education, the state of our families, and say, yeah, we that's it, that's it. We we got it. We moving now. You can't say that. Stop it, man. Stop it. I can't do. I can't make myself that stupid. So you you're, you're looking at a grumpy dude. Maybe I'm for some of you. I'm 49. I don't. That might make me a grumpy old man or or a grumpy young man. I don't know. Depends on how old you are. But but I'm a guy who's just sick of sitting around and not moving forward. I I can't do this. I'm in, I, I'm not, it doesn't interest me. So what I'm saying to you is either you want to solve the problem or you don't. Because if you tell me, oh, we're going to solve the problem now, how are we going to solve the problem? By doing exactly what we've done in every election for the last 40 years. Get out of my face with that nonsense. This conversation is above your pay grade. So I need military-minded people, meaning you know, my soldiers. I have a lot of veterans in here. And by the way, thank you for your service. I'll never disrespect a veteran. My daddy fought in Vietnam. My daddy was a problem solver. My daddy's a winner. That's why. That's why I think this way. And I, I need military-minded people, uh, male and female, who are committed to figuring out how to solve this damn problem. Uh, and in order to solve it, we got to dissect it. We got to go where the truth lies, even if it's painful. Surgery is never comfortable, or in many cases, it's surgery hurts a little bit. You're gonna poke and prod in places that 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 are that are not gonna make people feel good. But but you got to do the surgery. So let me keep going. Do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the thumbs up button. Share and subscribe button. I'm going to read Malcolm's quote one more time about Joe Biden. And then I'm going to kind of break something down for you that I figured out. Um, it, it actually came to mind today when I was watching a, a Netflix documentary about cults. Um, hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up, share and subscribe button. OK, so what Malcolm said is he said that uh, we're, we're going to continue Malcolm's work. So we're calling the spirit of Malcolm X into this conversation so he can give me the wisdom to share what needs to be shared to the people that really want to hear it. Um, and maybe some of the people who don't want to hear it, who maybe will get it 20 years from now. 
Uh, he says, the worst enemy that the Negro has is this white man that runs around here drooling at the mouth, professing to love Negroes and calling himself a liberal. And it's following these white liberals that has perpetuated the problems that Negroes have. If the Negro wasn't taken, trick or, tricked or deceived by the white liberal, then Negroes would get together and solve our own problems. So uh, Malcolm's basically saying this. He, he's saying something that I think will be applicable in this election, that when you get happy and comfortable because uh, you put you, know, you think you put the white, right or you know, right white man in power, then what happens is you get this kind of, you know, Negro mortis, you know, not not rigor mortis is. No, I would call it I would call it the other mortis. I'm not, but I'm not going to use the N word. But but Negro mortis. How about that? Well, you see this the, the easier N word. Negro mortis, where uh, folks will just sit back and clap and cheer when they see white liberals kind of you know like oh you tell them you tell them Kamala girl girl you go go get them you know okay so the Negro mortis kicks in and what happens is that people like me start to sound extreme. Like, what do you mean do for self? What do you mean? Uh, what do you mean, uh, you know, create our own systems? What do you mean build our own businesses? I can get me a good job now, or I'm, I'm hoping, I, I'm hoping boss will give me a good job. But yet, you, you know, with this good job, you're building no wealth. You're complaining consistently about the way you're treated at work and the microaggressions and your, 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 the state of your existence as a community hasn't evolved. It doesn't, it doesn't change. Right. So, so, uh, so when I challenge people and I say, well, give me evidence, show me evidence that, uh, statistical evidence that our condition has gotten better, uh, people can't provide that. They, so what they do is they just they just respond with anger. They respond by telling you how mad they are and how they can't stand you and how you need to shut up and you need to let it go and w whatever. Okay, fine. All right. Yeah, I am obsessed. Absolutely obsessed. I'm obsessed with solving this problem. I'm obsessed with making the lives of, of the people I care about better. And and here's the deal. Um, you know, uh, here's here's what here's what really has to happen. Um, we need an we we really need a black agenda. Uh, we need, uh, and I call it an all-black agenda. Uh, we need an agenda that we can pursue without waiting on corrupt racist politicians, right? That we need an agenda we can pursue without waiting on these fake-ass, weak-ass, pathetic, uh, so-called black leaders, uh, that, you know, which are pretty much Negroes they put on TV uh, that they tell you that are your leaders, but they're not your leaders. You don't know these people. You ain't never seen them before. That's like somebody appearing at your doorstep talking about I'm your mama. Right. I'd be like, let me see your ID because you don't look like me. <laughs> right. Right. So so these these fake black leaders, um, we need an agenda that can be pursued. Also, this is very important. This is what I believe can be the innovative catch to this whole conversation. This is where we're doing something different to get different. You got to do different. Right. Like when I, I had all my friends that I grew up with who were broke or in jail and got babies, mamas. Well, my life ended up different. Well, how did it end up different? Because I did different things. I thought differently, right? So in order for you to get different, you must do different. So so the other piece here is this. Our Black agenda must also be something that can be implemented on an individual uh, family basis that doesn't require you to wait for 40 million Negroes, uh, at least half of whom somehow think that Joe Biden getting elected is this wonderful triumph for Black people. Um, I saw somebody that played that scene from The Wiz when the when the witch got killed, and they were like, "Can you feel a brand new day? Can you remember that, right?" And so, 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 unfortunately, uh, that's that really to me comes from slave culture. This idea that I'm, we're gonna sing and dance because uh, a, a white man is in power, and this white man happens to be a white man who incarcerated more black people than any 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 politician in American history. I'll say any president in American history because it looks like he's going to be president, and so. Um, so the fact that that's your best cho choice, that your best option for liberation is the person who single handedly destroyed more black families than Adolf Hitler destroyed in Nazi Germany, damn near. 
Um, you know, the fact that that's your best choice and you're dancing in the street because because that man is in power is a very scary thing. I mean, it's it's really it borders, unfortunately, on a, a, almost like a mental illness in a way, because uh, there's no way the Jews will be celebrating Hitler's cousin getting elected to as president of, of you know, of Israel. Right. There's no way that they would let let Hitler's uh, nephew become uh, the, the, you know, the prime minister of Israel or whatever. Right. So. So what so what I want you to kind of consider is that we need uh, an all black agenda. We need something that is going to allow you and your family to be good no matter what, uh, without waiting for other people, uh, because unfortunately, a lot of your people are, are, are just mentally ill. It's almost like um, when I, I explained this yesterday, that a lot of times. Um, if you're trying to clean the drugs out of your neighborhood, like Kenny Gamble out in Philadelphia, uh, a wealthy black man, he created the whole Motown sound. I'm sorry, the Philadelphia version of the Motown sound. I think they called the Philly sound or something like that. Uh, so a lot of great artists came from what he did, you know, many years ago, from the Jill Scotts to everybody else, right? He's the originator. He's the godfather out there. Kenny Gamble is also one of my adopted fathers. I, I told you guys I have I have a few adopted fathers, strong black men that I look up to, that I call for counsel and guidance. Kenny Gamble's one, Dr. Claude Anderson, Dr. George Frazier. Uh, I love Rock Newman, uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan, and uh, I might have forgotten one or two, but but the, the idea is that he's he's one of the guys I admire. And let me tell you why I admire Kenny Gamble. Well, Kenny Gamble in the 1960s or so, when he got his first uh, deal, when he first started writing songs, Gamble and Huff, they've written over 3,000 songs. They, they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, all this stuff, right? Um, well, when they first got started, you know, Kenny had a lot of homeboys that did pretty much what you expect, uh, what you stereotypically expect black people to do when they get money. He, uh, he, you know, they, he, he saw his friends going out and buying new Cadillacs. They were buying, uh, you know, fancy clothes. And back then, you know, they, they, they would dress like the pimps. They had the big furry hats and, and big, you know, mink coats and everything else, all this silly stuff. Well, Kenny Gamble was, was different. Kenny Gamble said, um, I want to learn how to manage my money. I also want to buy property in the neighborhood that I'm from. And his mother told him, she said, I, why would you want to buy a house in that neighborhood? Like nobody wants to live there. But he said, but if we go there and we buy this property while it's cheap and we fix it up, then we can turn it into a place that people will want to live. So he did this in the 1970s. So this was the counter narrative to the gentrification because white people were doing this too. White people already were, were like, wait, that land is by the river and Negroes are not as terrible as we thought. So maybe we can buy this land right here by the river and we'll just take it from them because they don't really know the value of what they have. Right. Kenny Gamble knew that. So Kenny Gamble went and bought all this property, a ton of property right there in, in the worst hoods, the places that nobody wanted to live. And now here's the problem, though. Right. Kenny's challenge was that these were bad neighborhoods. You know, you had the pimps over here, the dope dealers over there, the hookers over there. It was a mess. You know, violence everywhere. So Kenny had to get real gangster with him. He had to basically go and he had to he had to fight. He didn't just have to fight the drug dealers. He also had to fight the drug addicts. Right. And the drug addicts were acting on behalf of the drug dealers. They were like, wait, you're messing up our drugs. This is the best thing we got going. This is our best opportunity to feel good today. And you're trying to mess that up. Right. And so when I look at the black community, and I look at what we're trying to do. When we're really trying to do something. We're trying to get something done. We got to fight the drug dealers and we have to fight the drug addicts. Uh, this happened in China when, when the Chinese leadership decided they wanted China to become a competitive country instead of becoming the, one of the laziest, sloppiest countries in the world full of opium addicts. They looked at their country and they said, wait a minute, I, I get it now. We can't build anything because our people are being injected with false hope from the Europeans coming over here selling dope to our people. 
right? These, these, these British and French are getting paid by convincing our people that the best thing you can do with your time today is to go to the opium den and give them your last dollar so they can help you get high. So as your community's falling down around you, you're just looking for the dope. You're looking for something that's going to help you feel good so you can just get through the day, right? Well, a lot of our people are in the same condition. We have people coming from outside the community that are coming in, convincing them that the best use of your time is to get high on this dope. Except instead of dope, they might be selling hope, right? That's why they'll come out and say, "This my campaign is about hope and change. Things are really going to get better now. I saw somebody that put up a sign uh, where he was so happy that Biden got elected. And he put at the top, a change is going to come, right? Where's the change going to come from? I ain't seen no change. I saw eight years of Biden in the White House with a black man named Barack Obama. I didn't see no change, right? But they're selling you dope on a rope, but they're calling it hope, right? So basically the same way the Chinese were conquered in the opium, before the opium wars, before somebody stood up and pissed a lot of people off, well, that's what's happening to your community. You have a bunch of opium addicts that are getting high on the dope that's also called hope. But it's, it's, but it's really soap on a rope because y'all know what it is. Y'all know how this works. This is not speculation. This is not just my opinion. This is not me just trying to be a jerk today. This is fact. This is proven by data. This is proven by, if I'm wrong, prove me wrong. If I'm wrong, then show me why I'm wrong. Show me statistics that, that say that the children in Baltimore are being better educated after be, after having a city that has tons of Democrats and tons of black people running the damn city and your kids can't even read. Who's in charge of reading in the city of Baltimore? Because I know people, give me yes or no. Give everybody raise your hand. Give me a yes or no in the chat if you know a black person who knows how to read and can teach other black people how to read. Give me a yes or no in the chat. You raise your hand if you know at least one black person who can read and can teach children how to read. Right? Raise your hand. Because because here's what here's what I'm saying. I'm like, well, if you're really trying to solve the problem instead of keeping your own pockets fat then why don't you go take your billion dollars or 10 billion or whatever number you get for that shitty school system you have and give the money to the people that know how to read and can teach a baby how to read. It ain't that hard to find Negroes who know how to read. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm being radical. Maybe I'm just the biggest asshole on the planet right now, but something ain't right. Something don't make no sense. This ain't adding up. This does not compute because I know plenty of black people Many of whom, like in Freedom Home Academy International in Chicago, where they have a little school that runs on a shoestring budget, and they're educating 10-year-olds that sound like college students. I went to that school, and I gave them, I, I made a little donation, it was about five grand. It wasn't nothing big. I was like, man, I wish I could give you like five million. I, I just don't have that. But but I gave them 5,000, and I, I used my platform to tell people how great their school was, and, and they invited me in, and we had a little ceremony. And I brought my cousin, Tippy. I brought my cousin. He's my daddy's cousin, really. And he's a Vietnam vet, too. Shout out to the veterans. And so cousin Tippy went with me to this thing, this, to this presentation. And the little children were up there at five years old reciting, like, all these really extraordinarily complex facts about black history and, and science and math and, 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 and stuff, that, stuff that 40-year-olds don't know. I'm like, that eight-year-old, that eight-year-old is smarter than the college students I taught at Syracuse. Why is it? Wait, you're, wait, you're saying that you can't educate black people. You, you said you're trying and you're putting money into the budget, but you can't figure out how to teach black people how to read. Well, they figured it out. They know how to do it. Why don't you give the money to them? Um, you're our allies, right? You're supposed to be helping us. Well, see, maybe there's a point where you have to say that the reason it doesn't add up is because it doesn't add up. 
Maybe the reason that it's that they're not doing what you think an ally is supposed to do is because the person you think is your ally really ain't your ally. You know, like if you if you're a married man and you say my wife loves me and my wife is loyal to me, but somebody shows you pictures of your wife having sex with the you know with the Dallas with all the Dallas Cowboys, then there's a point where you can't say, well, well, my loyal wife would never be doing this. And then there's a point where you have to say, maybe my loyal wife isn't my loyal wife. Maybe she's a skank. Maybe she's a liar, right? So, so I'm just saying to you, at the end, you know, when you really do the math and you're logical about it, this all comes together. But if you're illogical and emotional and hold on to hope and dope and soap on a rope, then you're always going to believe uh, you're going to believe the lie. You know, even if it's constantly confronted with a different and more uncomfortable truth. So anyway, let me keep going. Let me keep going. Um, and by the way, uh, I, I just to let you to remind you, I am solution oriented. I actually put together some some resources, most of them free on a URL, the, the allblackagenda.com. So if you go to the allblackagenda.com, there's stuff there. I put together like a 12 point plan. It's something I put together. It's not it's not based on extensive research. It's based on what I've seen. I also put a link to the contract with Black America that um, Ice Cube and his team of scholars put together. He consulted heavily with Dr. Claude Anderson and many others. Uh, this was not just thrown together. It's very, very good. Um, I have links to uh, free free lectures like the 100-year uh, uh, Black Family Wealth Plan. I have a link to um, oh, what the six rules of wealth for any millennial. Uh, and, and also, I'm going to include some resources on relationships and family, because if you if you decide you want to go love a black woman, you got to find a way to make that relationship work, because that's critically connected to your ability to uh, have economic security and other security in this world. A part of the reason that black wealth falls apart is because your families are broken. Uh, you cannot stay. You're not staying married. So you got baby mama itis and baby daddy itis everywhere. And I don't know too many baby mamas and baby daddies who are who are doing well financially, who are financially secure. Doesn't mean you can't be. Just means that it's much harder. <clears throat> Excuse me. Alicia and I are financially secure largely because we have each other's back. We help each other, not just babysit the kids and, and do stuff around the house. But, you know, when 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 I when I when I can't come through for something, she comes through. When she can't come through, I come through. That's what teamwork is all about. You got to find the right teammates. And so that's why even who you choose to date is a really important part of your ability to be secure. When you talk about your black agenda, it must start with you and it must start with your family. How can I be secure and strong and empowered in a world full of broken ass punk ass people, a, a broken ass people who are brainwashed, who, who, who literally don't, don't listen to logic when it's presented to them. They just get mad at logic. They get mad at facts. Um, I want you to, to be successful. Okay. So uh, anyway, so there's the URL, the allblackagenda.com. And also uh, you can text the word boys to get notifications, text boys to 31996. That's right there. Um, all right. So uh, hit the thumbs up button, please, by the way, please hit the thumbs up button. I'm going to read something to you also about uh, some of the in terms of some of the behavior that I've seen, uh, you know, from uh, black people in reaction to this election. And I'm going to talk about cults. And I'm going to tell you uh, the Democratic Party, uh, they're real interesting. And, and, and mind you, uh, the Republicans, I, I'm not I don't talk about the Republicans just because I don't vote Republican. Uh, if you want to know what I voted for, I voted Libertarian. Um, I don't vote Democrat, though. I'm not doing that. Um, and so because I don't I don't vote for people that put 100,000 black men in prison. Uh, that that would not be logical for me. Uh, and so so let me uh, read uh, some of this about cults. This is from a uh, big dot com. And they talk about how cults uh, could mind, use mind control uh, to get people to do what they want them to do. 
Now, uh, just so we can make sure we're on the same page, do you feel that there was some mind control and some psychological manipulation happening during this election cycle? Uh, do you feel that there was some mind control maybe from the media, uh, maybe from the politicians, uh, maybe from, you know, from some of the speeches, some of the fear mongering, uh, things like that, like, oh, my God, you're all going to die. So we need you to, you know, we, we, you know, you need us to save you or to protect you. Right. Anybody else pick up on that? OK, give me a yes or no in the chat. All right. Great. So let me read some of this to you about cults and, and how cults operate and how they maintain control. And the goal is to get you to do what they want you to do and, and to not question anything. Right. So the first thing about uh, cults is they said you have to pick the right target. So not all black people are subject to brainwashing. Not every black person is going to just go for it. Like I I just told Alicia, you know, we were watching a documentary about cults. And I said, you know, honestly, I'm going to tell you, you know, from where I come from, we, we consider that to be sucker shit. Like we, we just like like we, that's why, you know, but then again, maybe maybe there's something about me and the way way I was raised or me being a, honestly being a man. Uh, not that women, not that women, not that women aren't strong too. Women, women can be very strong, but but you know, like if you see somebody, like there's something uh, this this uh, chemical in your brain called oxytocin, where uh, basically oxytocin can sometimes uh, affect a person's mind and make them fall in love with something or someone who does not love them back. And uh, from what I've read in the science, women have more oxytocin receptors than men. So, for example, like if you meet a man and he's really nice to you and and he gives you like the best sex in the world. I don't know if anybody's ever had that experience where next thing you know, you're like washing his dirty drawers and and he can do no wrong. And he he'll lie to you 50,000 times and you'll keep on listening and believing it. Well, that's the oxytocin kicking in. Right. That's why you got to be really careful about who you let near you, who you let touch your body, because some guys are experts at manipulating a woman's oxytocin. Like they know how to take you into the bedroom and give you the greatest experience of your life. Next thing you know, you're baby mama number seven, and you never planned for that. Like you never thought about that, right? So mind control is really big. And uh, one of the things that they said about mind control is that you pick the right target. Like, so pimps, like pimps don't try to pimp everybody, right? Pimps look for people that are vulnerable, right? So uh, here's what it says. It says, as it turns out, most people can be susceptible to cult influence under the right conditions. Research has shown that the people who are most susceptible to recruitment, pay attention now, I want you to think about black people here and Democrats recruiting black people. They, the people most susceptible are stressed, emotionally vulnerable, have tenuous or no family connections, or are living in adverse socioeconomic conditions. So I want you, I want you to give me a yes or no. Uh, are black people stressed? Do you feel like most, when you, when you hear black people talk about how they feel about being black, are they stressed? Yes or no? I'll give you a second to answer. Absolutely, yes. A lot of black people are stressed, pissed off, mad, upset. Cop shot, you know, the cop shot Raekwon, and, and I, I can't get a job, and these white people keep doing this to me, right? So, we're, you know, the depression is really high among black men and black women, right? So black people are about as stressed as you can get. Um, emotionally vulnerable, emotionally vulnerable. That means uh, easily subject to emotional manipulation. Uh, are black people emotionally vulnerable on average? Not all black people. I'm not talking about everybody. But when you look at the mass of black people, can they be emotionally manipulated? Like, can a mass of black people be emotionally triggered a little bit more than everybody else? Yes or no? Okay. Next, do uh, black people on average tend to have tenuous or or few family connections? They said no family connections, but but few, like meaning do we have more broken families than most other communities? 
Do, are we a little bit more affected by broken families than other communities? Give me a yes or no. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say yes, uh, because if you look at the impact of the Biden crime bill from the 1990s, one of the greatest impacts was broken families. One of the greatest impacts is the fact that the majority of black children don't even have a father in the house. Right. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Doesn't I'm not making fun of anybody who's in that situation. You were a victim of a Holocaust. That was a Holocaust. I need you to go take some time, go research the effects of mass incarceration. Uh, this was why Russell Simmons and I were so adamant when we confronted the Obama administration about this issue and, and made them change their policy. We, we had to get the backing of a lot of people to do this. But we confronted them. And we said, no, you will address this. You promised to address this. You must address this. And they did eventually. But it was very, very difficult. They didn't want to do it. Um, so let's keep going. Let's see here. Oh, here's the last one. Or are living in adverse socioeconomic conditions? Yes or no? Yes or no? Would you say that the bulk of the black community, when it comes to things like wealth or the conditions of their neighborhoods, uh, or, or etc., are living in adverse socioeconomic conditions? Give me a yes or no. Do black people fit the description? Do black people fit the description? Yes or no? I, I don't know of anybody else who lives in worse socioeconomic conditions. Uh, if you look at most uh, studies on wealth, you'll you'll see Asians up here. And what's funny is Asians don't even really, their voter participation rates are terrible, right? But Asians are up here, right? Then you see white people. Dr. Claude Anderson, I talk about this a lot in Poweronomics. And then you see, uh, then, you know, you start muddling down, you get to, you know, Latino people, and then black people at the bottom. And the, the crazy thing this is not even funny. I'm just smiling and laughing so that we don't get pissed off today um, because it's a Sunday morning. Why should we be mad on a Sunday? Right. But but the crazy thing is that if you go back and they show these charts over a 40 year period, 50 year period, black people are consistently in last place. Like we're like that basketball team that will always be last in the division every single year. It doesn't matter. They can get the number one draft pick. They're still going to be last. They ruin careers because they have bad management that's making bad decisions. Anybody that knows sports knows what I'm talking about. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think here. Like, I don't the, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers before they got LeBron. Like, like, they were just a bad organization. The New York Knicks are just a bad organization. The Dallas Cowboys spend money like crazy. A bad organization. Well, what does it all come down to? Bad leadership, bad decision making, some sort of addiction to repeating bad habits that have put you in terrible situations in the first place. Right. So we are we are to some extent a bad organization. We end up in last place in the division every year because nobody comes along and shakes up the process. So that's why I think to some extent we're going to have to make some ugly like if you think about it, like a basketball team, we're going to have to trade some players from the team. We're going to have to get we're going to fire the coach. Right. The, your, your coach is your, your fake Negro leadership. We're going to fire all them sons of bitches. All of you are fired. Type fired in the chat right now. All of you are fired. Every one of you. And I'm going to go in and do a mutiny. I'm going to assume uh, control. I'm going to become the general manager of this team right now. Maybe one of the owners. Right. You're all owners. Everybody's an owner. So I don't want to be the owner because I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm not here to replace their bad leadership with with Boyce Watkins. Right. I'm not trying to do that, but I'm going to come in as the general manager and I'm going to make some changes. We are going to change the offensive strategy. We're not going to play the same offense that gets us uh, that, that keeps us out of the playoffs every year. We're going to play a different offense. I'm not going to we're going to change the defensive strategy. We're going to start playing better defense. 
We're going to go get some better players for the team. We're going to start running our practices differently because we're going to create a culture of winning. You see, losing is a culture. A lot of teams get to the point where they just become addicted to losing. They become so used to losing that they're uncomfortable when they start winning. They don't even know what to do when they actually start winning. They're like, wait, we're supposed to be losing. Let's make a mistake or two so that we can get back to where we where we belong, right? So some of our people are just uncomfortable winning, right? White supremacy in, in its long-form existence over the last 400 years has taught you to be uncomfortable winning. Many of our people are very comfortable as losers. They are very comfortable as victims. They are very comfortable. They're more comfortable talking about how they can't overcome their problems than they are talking about solutions to their problems. That's why when you present a solution, when you say, you know, if we stick together, we can do this. Their first response is, Negro, get the hell out of my face. Like they get angry when you got solutions. I'm serious. You ever see that? Like, cause, cause wait a minute, like, like, like winning and, 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 and solutions requires responsibility and I can't have responsibility. I can't have accountability. I'm just a weak, pathetic Negro. I, I just need, my job is to show up and vote for the Democrats and let the white folks handle this. Right. Like, like literally like you put yourself at the children's table and, and the white man sitting at the grown folks table, eating the big piece of chicken. You like, I belong over here with the five-year-olds. Right. So some of y'all men are five year olds. Some of the women will, will go along with anything. Right. So so what I'm saying is that at the very least, when you talk about m- making this team into a winning team and helping us have a winning record and then eventually helping us get to the playoffs and then eventually helping us win championships, we're going to have to go to the talented 10th. We really are. We're going to go to the talented 10th. And I'm not talking about bougie Negroes who went to Yale. I'm talking about black people who are ride or die. I'm talking about black people who just don't give a shit. Black people who will fight you in the street if they have to in order to defend their families, defend their children, and build their community. I'm talking about black people who will challenge you and your thinking at every level. I'm talking about black people who believe in themselves. I'm talking about black people who will invest and build and buy the block and go out hard and educate their kids. I'm talking about the black people who ain't scared of white folks. I'm talking about black people who have not committed on any level to this idea that there are all these things white people can do that we can't do ourselves. Like, seriously, those are the people who are going to have to lead because you're going to change the culture of this basketball team. You're going to create a winning culture. And what's going to happen, here's the other thing about life, is that everybody wants to be next to a winner. Everybody wants to be next to somebody that's a champion that has the confidence, right? So so what we're going to do in this generation, it's a long-term building process. It's a 100-year plan. It's not something that's going to happen in our lifetime, is that I need you because you're here. You're here. The few thousand people that are watching right now, you're here because you're one. You're, there's probably one out of every 10 black people out here that, that will think like you. Seriously, 90% of the community, unfortunately, ain't ready, right? That's okay. We put them on the bench and we're going to grab the best players and we're going to reshape the offense, reshape the defense, change how we practice, change how we how we compete, and we're going to start winning games. We're going to go we're going to have a winning record. We're going to go to the playoffs and then we're going to start winning championships. And then once we start winning championships, other people will step their game up. Because the thing about a sheep is that a sheep is easily manipulated. A sheep is easily influenced, right? A lot of our people are sheep. We know this, right? A lot of Americans are sheep. It's not just black people. Right. And the thing about a sheep I've noticed is that if you go out here and you really start winning, then the sheep will get up behind you because they'll be like, oh, I want to get on this team. Because a lot of these people really want to be more black. Like they really they, they hear what I, I'm saying. Like, like they don't they don't totally ignore me. They, they get mad at me, but they don't totally ignore me because they know I'm not stupid. They know that that I'm presenting logic and they're like, damn, the, that, that old boy's walkers. I can't stand that son of a bitch. 
but, but maybe he's got a point, right? Because I, And I understand their mindset because they're, they're full of self-doubt. That's why you follow the crowd because you're not comfortable with who you are and you're not comfortable with people who are comfortable with who they are. I'm very comfortable with who I am. I know the solutions. I have a PhD. I've been studying this stuff for 30 years. So I know what I'm talking about, right? I'm very confident with that, right? So what's going to happen is once they see us winning, then they're going to consider what's going on. I think the reason that they doubt some of this, this crazy ideology, this crazy idea that black people can actually do the same things as white people is because they just don't, they, they haven't yet seen the evidence that this will work. And this is a long-term plan that requires uh, a lot of consistent effort, hundreds of thousands of hours of effort over an entire generation for it to start to manifest. So what's going to happen is that because you're preparing your kids for the future, you're educating your kids on Black history, you are teaching your children how to build wealth, your children are stockholders at the age of seven. So your kids are going to the playground playing with their kids and having completely different conversations. And then your, your teenagers are make are getting money when their kids are learning how to play basketball and football. And then after out of college, your kids are starting businesses and making $100,000 a month while their kids are trying to pay off student loans on a $40,000 a year job. And then they're going to start to notice like, wow, like maybe that's what I want to do. How do I know this is true? Well, because that's the story of my life. Yeah, that's the story of my life. You know, I've always been an, an outcast. I've always been a misfit. It, and 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 I and I've always been a little bit of a renegade. I've always gone my own route. Even even in high school, I did that. And, and here's what would happen: people would call me crazy. People would make fun of me. People would say, "What are you doing? Like, this don't make no sense." When I was at Syracuse University, they used to say, "Oh my God, you're gonna ruin your career. What are you doing?" The black, even the black scholars didn't want to come near me. Right? They they would they would whisper like, you know. You know, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing, but but they wouldn't do it in public, right? So it's like a like a little bit almost like being a, a hooker or a porn star or something. Everybody won't everybody want to be around you, but as long as nobody else knows, right? And then when I started to succeed, when I started really winning, like when they're when they're they're you know when they're they're sitting around trying to get a two percent pay raise and they get a glimpse of of like how much money I made over time, um, or when they see me on national television or being acknowledged by you know, leading people around the world or their, their students come up and say, you know, Dr. Boyce Watkins, then now they're calling me saying, oh yeah, I've been cool with Boyce all the time. Like, yeah. Hey Boyce, man, we've been buddies since I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. But I remember when you, back in 2006, you didn't want to talk to me. You, you didn't want to be seen at all way with me, but yeah, we can pretend we can pretend because I understand where that comes from. It comes from brainwashing, white supremacy and low self-esteem and, 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 and fear, fear, a lack of courage. Right. So some people have courage. Some people don't. Uh, everybody doesn't have to have courage. Um, it's like if you're building a mil military, you don't need every person in the entire uh, country to become a soldier. You only need that 10 percent. You need that 10 percent of people that are going to just go out there and say, we're, we're going to go just take one for the team. We will make the sacrifice and we will build. And what's going to happen is your children are going to be the business owners and the wealth builders and the job creators in the next generation. And their children will come and work for your children. OK, so uh, so so the last point I'm going to throw in here is this. Um, do me a favor. Please hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up, share and subscribe button. Also, uh, that the the allblackagenda.com. You can feel free to go there. There's free resources there on the black aspects of the black agenda. I pulled it together just to show you an agenda that we can pursue without waiting on white politicians. Uh, I'm not begging Joe Biden for nothing. I mean, I, I will support people that want to go meet with him, but I do not want to be invited to the White House. So if you're watching Mr. Biden or anybody else, do not invite me. I'm not your guy. I'm only going to piss you off. Right. Um, but but I so I want an agenda that doesn't need Joe Biden's permission. Um, I want an agenda that doesn't need 
fake black leadership, like these Negroes, they pop up on TV and make you think that they're your leaders. They're, they're not. Um, I also don't want an agenda that requires us to sit around and wait around for 40 million black people to get on the same page. That'll take 3000 years for that to happen. Like it's not going to happen. Right. I want something that you can apply. This is where these ideas come from. Everything. When you talk about wealth, family, everything else. You know, if you look at the agenda key points, most of the points are things that you can actually do right now on your own and then also inform yourself on some of the broader issues that are going on. So I do have a link to Ice Cube's contract with Black America, which is very good. But I also have some other things there, like the 100 year family wealth plan, which is totally free. And you can go look at that. And it explains literally mathematically. This is based on science. This is not just me speculating based on science, how your family can literally be in the millionaire status category, if you make a sacrifice this generation, if you go ahead, because here's the thing about wealth, wealth is a team sport. Wealth is not an individual sport. Wealth is not a short-term game. It's a long-term game. It's a long-term game that is a team sport. Most wealthy families that you get pissed off about and get jealous of are wealthy because of what somebody else did in a previous generation. Even Donald Trump, as much as people dislike the guy or like the guy, I don't care if you like him or not, but his wealth comes from the fact that his father, Fred, made sacrifices in, in the 1930s that allowed him and his children to live well in the year 2020. So the question is, do are you able to think big enough? You know, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy your life. You can still do a lot of great things for yourself right now. No, no question about that. But the question becomes, do you have the, the ability to have enough vision to even see what you can do with your family if you give yourself enough time and if you're consistent about it? Right. Because visionaries build wealth. People with no vision get paychecks. Like if if all I can do is see two weeks out to the next paycheck, then I'm never going to be a wealth builder because I don't have vision. Just like but it's just like sports. If you're a basketball player and you don't have court vision, then you can't you can't win. LeBron James is a great basketball player because he can see the whole court. He can see where everybody's at at one time and he knows exactly where the open man is. So do you have vision or are you narrow narrow minded? Okay, so let me let me finish up with this thing about cults. This is very important. Do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button. And those of you who are watching on YouTube, uh, if you haven't subscribed, hit that subscribe button. Uh, some of you may be on a different channel. We have the Black Boss Network, which is actually a, a page, a, a channel for brothers. We're bringing brothers in uh, that that have all different perspectives. Uh, the young, mostly young guys that talk about everything from health to business to sports and all that stuff. So if you want to uh, support that. I, I think the URL is uh, the, the Black Boss Network.com, T-H-E, the Black Boss Network. Oh, sorry, the Black Boss Channel, the Black Boss Channel.com, the Black Boss Channel.com, T-H-E. Okay, so uh, the last couple of points about cults. So the first thing we mentioned is that to form a cult, which is what the Democratic Party does, you have to pick the right target. You have to pick people that are vulnerable. You can't go after people that have you know high confidence. Uh, you have to go after people that are stressed. This is what they said, stressed, emotionally vulnerable, have tenuous or no family connections, or are living in adverse socioeconomic conditions. That makes black people perfect targets. They also, they said even like new college students are great targets because new college students are nervous. They don't, they're, they're, their confidence isn't there. And so you could easily make them think that, that you're their new best friend, you know, when they have no friends. So um, they said, um, in addition, people who were neglected or abused as children may be easily recruited because they crave the validation denied to them in childhood. So black people because we're subject to so much abuse, not just uh, in our own families, right? right? Like family abuse is bad, but then also uh, you have abuse from society, from white supremacy. The white man's been abusing you too. And then if you say, let's say your, your father was hooked on crack, well, that's a form of abuse, right? The emotional damage that comes from that, right? So they said that people 
that are easily sucked into, say, the Democratic Party cult and easily pushed in a category where they're going to do what you tell them to do are people that have been abused as children, right? Uh, because they're seeking validation. Black people are the biggest validation seekers known to man. We need white folks to tell us that we're good. <clears throat> we need white people to give us permission. We need white folks to give us fancy titles, nice jobs, and fancy awards for us to feel like we've actually accomplished something. If I, if, if, if a group of black people create an award and say, you know, this award is just as valuable as the as, as winning an Oscar or or winning a Grammy, a lot of black people will say, no, that's not that's not an Oscar or Grammy. That's a Negro award, right? Because 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 you put extra premium here, a premium value on what they create, and, and, and a lower value on what you create. Right. Because their ice is colder in your mind. You are a white supremacist. You have been led to believe that uh, if I go to uh, Yale or Stanford, that I am somehow better educated. I'm better than that person who educated themselves or who went to a black school. Right. They, like I've never I've yet to hear a white man say that he made white history by getting accepted into an HBCU. I've never seen that. But I've heard many examples of black people claiming that they made black history by being accepted into a white university. So in your mind, you've been led, you've been trained to believe, indoctrinated, thank you, that's a great word, indoctrinated to believe that white, being close to whiteliness is godliness. And when you value something, when you put a premium value on something, you'll pay for that. You'll pay for that. Like There's a reason why, you know, you got a rapper that'll pay $700 for a Gucci belt. It ain't nothing but a belt. And you don't, you ain't even trying to pull your pants up anyway. Like your, your pants ain't your, your pants are hanging down to your butt crack, right? So why are you even paying seven hundred dollars for a belt? You might you should probably get a cheap belt because you're not going to use it, right? But seriously, you pay that money for a Gucci belt because somebody at Gucci said, okay, let me figure out how to trick people into believing that a belt with a Gucci logo on it is more valuable than a belt with you know some other logo on it. Right. So so the mind control is, is pretty deep. It's pretty deep. Uh, let, 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 let me keep reading about cults here. Um, hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up and share this video if you could. Please, please share. I'm really asking you to do that because it doesn't just help the algorithm, but it actually I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's like a gospel, like like blackness and black empowerment really is almost like going to church. So it's, it's kind of appropriate. I'm talking to you guys on a Sunday because this needs to be our church. Black economic power needs to become the second religion for our community. We must become ride or die committed to the idea of us becoming more intelligent, more empowered, more economically strong, having better children, all these things, because that's what it takes, right? You know, to, when you're changing the culture of a losing basketball team to make them uh, into winners, you have to literally be crazy. You remember Judge, uh, not Judge Joe Brown, um, Joe, Joe, the uh, basketball coach that went into that crappy high school and the kids were so used to losing that they didn't want, they barely didn't want to win. I think his name might have been Joe Brown, right? I don't remember. But Joe, I'm talking about it was lean on me. Remember, he had to come in there with a baseball bat and threaten to kick everybody's ass in order to get them to straighten up, right? So, so basically, what I'm saying to you guys is that that's what it's going to take. You're going to have to commit to this. You know, if you want your life and your family to be strong, you got to really look at this like a religion. Okay, so let me keep going. So uh, so let's see here. Um, oh, this is interesting. They say cults don't want completely unpredictable people to join. That's why. So there's a myth that, pe that cults will attract people that are mentally ill. They say cults don't want completely unpredictable people to join. Rather, they want relatively stable people who can work to forward the cult's goals and donate money. Relatively healthy people going through stressful periods, therefore, are their prime targets. So another tactic that they use to pull people into cults 
like the Democratic Party cult, is love bombing. Uh, originally coined by the Moonies, love bombing is more or less self-explanatory. Having identified a stressed and emotionally vulnerable target, listen now, pay close attention. This is so good. Um, cults flood that person with affection, flattery, and validation, right? Black Lives Matter. You know, remember, um, remember when um, um, Nancy Pelosi and all the Democrats went to the the House chamber and they all wore kente cloth and got on the got on one knee and bowed down. Remember that? Or you see the images of white people kissing black people's feet and all this other stuff, right? So this sudden flood of love, like like we love you, you're so wonderful. That this flattery, right? Because flattery is cheap. It's it doesn't cost me anything. That flattery is cheaper than reparations, right? So when the black person shows up and says. I don't need your flattery. Fuck you, pay me. Right? Then they don't know what to do with that. They're like, whoa, wait a minute. You're you're not, you're not, you're not a, a fit for the cult because you actually don't need the flattery. I'm past the flattery. I'm on a higher vibrational frequency. I'm not on this low, I'm not a low frequency Negro. I'm not somebody that needs your security and I don't need your flattery, right? Because literally when they show you, uh, I always talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You should look it up. Maslow's hierarchy of needs shows the development of a person. At the very bottom is the basic low vibrational stuff you need just to survive, like, like food and water. And then above that is security. So you'll give up your security to get food and water. If you're starving enough, you'll go into a dangerous situation in order to get food. Then after that, there's like esteem from others and and love and validation. And then at the top is self-actualization. Self-actualization is what I always aim for. Self-actualization is where you say, you know what? I'm I'm safe. I'm well-fed. I love myself. I am loved by others. I've received esteem. Now I want to do something that's that's more relevant. I want to do something that matters, right? I want to actually do something that's bigger than myself because I don't need you to pat me on the back and tell me I'm wonderful. I already know that. I don't need you to come feed me. I already know that, so I can't be bought, right? Right. So, so you get to that self-actualization piece. So they don't know what to do with the self-actualized black person. They really don't. They only know they only know how to handle the low vibration Negro, like those people that are down at the bottom mentally. Right. Not that they're bad people. They're just down. They're just they just haven't evolved yet. And they're still scared and they're struggling and they feel like, oh, my God, I can't. So so I can't think about things like reparations or a black agenda because I am so scared. So that's why I was so fascinated when Amanda Seals, that that old crazy lady that's on that TV show, uh, when Amanda Seals did that video where she literally comes out to her millions of followers, because, again, she's picked by white supremacy. White people picked her. White people picked her as you know, as, as a big person in the black community because they put her on TV and the next thing you know, she's got millions of followers. And she comes out after the Trump debate and she's basically saying, you know, no, forget the black agenda. Forget, forget reparations. We don't need to talk about none of that. We don't need to talk about no. We need to focus on one thing, right? That was that low vibrational fear operating where it's like, forget everything else. We got to survive, y'all. We are, our existence is threatened, y'all, right? So um, Amanda, yeah, she is mentally ill. I think Amanda definitely is mentally ill. But but then, but this is not dissing Amanda. This is just what it is, right? It's She's a product of that brainwashing. That's what that's what it is. So let me read more. So love bombing, this, this occult awareness educator, Ronald N. M. N. Loomis, described this practice on college campuses as involving, quote, a recruiter approaching the student and doing everything they can to make the student feel special and unique. They're quickly trying to convey the message that I am your new best friend, and they will fake mutual interest. They'll pretend to be interested in the things you're interested in, in order to give the impression that they share many things in common. 
right? So, so a lot of times politicians will, you know, they'll come to your church, they'll eat barbecue chicken with your pastor. Um, they'll, you know, they'll they'll have hot sauce in their bag. Um, they'll do the wobble next to Roland Martin, right? They'll do all these little things to make you feel like you're connected. They'll be dancing, dancing to hip hop music. They'll tell you that Tupac was their favorite rapper in college, right? They'll do all these things to make you feel like, oh, we got something in common. Oh, you just like me. So next thing you know, you get things like, remember Ricky Smiley? Anybody see where Ricky Smiley uh, had Kamala Harris on? And they started playing Atomic Dog. And Kamala knows the words. I mean, who doesn't know the words to Atomic Dog? And she starts saying, uh, Atomic Dog. And then she's like, bow, wow, wow, yippee, yo, yippee, yay. That literally was enough to make Ricky Smiley say, oh, my God, I can't believe she said, she said, oh, Tommy, down. And then she said, bow, wow, wow, yippee, yo, yippee. Oh, she got my vote. She got my vote. Right. That that was and that was interesting to me. Right. And like I could see him saying, you know, uh, like, wow, I didn't know Kamala Harris was down like that. That's that's interesting. But but then you say, but but me voting for you is a separate thing because I'm an intelligent person. I'm an intelligent, logical human being. So you coming in and singing Atomic Dog is not going to make me give up my valuable vote, right? Like, I, I need a little bit more than that, right? Like, imagine if you went to go, uh, you know, think about this. I mean, I'm, I'm just processing some other scenarios, right? So imagine if, ladies, if a man's like, a man wants to get in your pants, and all he does is he finds out that you like the song Atomic Dog, and he knows that, and he can literally have sex with you because he sings Atomic Dog to you. Like, how crazy would you be? How ridiculous would you be? Right. Right. You know, like, or, or imagine if you went to go buy a car and the car dealer is like, well, this car is 15,000. You're like, I, I only want to pay 13. And then and then the Atomic Dog comes on and the car dealer is like, Atomic Dog. Bow, wow, wow, yippee, yo, yippee. And you're sitting in the car like, yeah, yeah, bow, wow, wow. Yeah. Like y'all vibing and you really have a moment and you say, okay, I'll, I'll pay 15000 for that car. You sang Atomic Dog to me. So imagine what they would say about you in the back room if, they, if they're planning on how to get your money. They'd be like, man, this dude's so stupid. All we got to do is sing Atomic Dog and he's going to like give us all his money because he's a dumbass. Right. He's 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 not logical. He he's so desperate for for friends that he literally will give an extra two thousand dollars because we sang Atomic Dog. Are you kidding me? Right. Like that. That would make you look like the dumbest person. Like they will make jokes about you. Right. So. Uh, so. 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 So the point is to say that when you talk about cults, that's what they do. They pretend to be your new best friend. Now, by the way, everybody on Instagram, Instagram is about to go out because I guess it ends at an hour. I'm going to just restart this feed again, like right after this is done. So if you disappear, just um, come right back because I'm going to go live again because we got more to talk about. We got more to talk about. Uh, So by the way, do me a favor. If you want to uh, get text notifications when we go live, text the word voice to 31996. Text voice to 31996. And by the way, every week, Dr. Claude Anderson and I meet for Powernomics Masterclass. If you want to go take a look, Feel free. You can go to PowernomicsMasterclass.com. The URL is right there on the screen. And uh, also, uh, there here's something also that you can have um, that it, that will help you if if you uh, let me see here. You can follow me on Twitter there and uh, something else. I can't find it. Uh, I want to give you a free e copy of my book. It takes a village to raise the bar. I can't find it. I'll, I'll find it when I find it. I'll um 
Oh, here we go. There we go. So you can get an actually free copy of the book. So it's totally free. It's uh, It takes a village to raise the bar. And basically, it breaks down the vision for the black community into four categories, wealth, education, family, and community. And it's a new paradigm. And uh, and Louis Farrakhan and I did um, an event back in 2013 in Chicago, where all we did was we talked about those four areas, wealth, education, family, and community. And then I did another event, with a couple other events in D.C. and, and New York. And I think I want to do it again. I think I think this is a good time for us to sort of revamp ourselves in, uh, in, in, in all these areas so we can make sure we can implement a black agenda that we can follow without asking for anybody's permission. So I'm going to end the, uh, you guys on Instagram. I'm gonna bring you guys right back. Okay. So, um, so hit the thumbs up button while I do this. Uh, if you could please, um, and I'm going to bring everybody on Instagram, back. my Instagram is the real boys Watkins, by the way, if you want to follow me on Instagram. And so please, I, I'd love to have you guys follow me on Instagram because what happens is I lose about a thousand people a week because they get pissed off at what I say. And I'm totally okay with that. But I, but the great thing is I replace those people with with better people. So it's almost like dialysis, how it, it purifies your blood. So your old blood goes out and the new blood comes in. I like when new blood comes in because I'm really I'm really more of a mobilizer. I'm not a I'm not a uh, bridge builder. I'm not a unifier. I'm a mobilizer, right? So I like to preach to the choir. I don't like to preach to the heathens. I can't I can't do it. I, I'm not the pastor who's going to be out trying to talk to a hooker about you know had change in her life. I let somebody else do that job, right? I'm not going to mess with the hooker. I'm not going to dog her out. I'm just going to say to the congregation, like, look, we don't want to be hookers. Let's figure out how we can be stronger as people, and then we can go save the world, right? So you have to strengthen yourself individually and then strengthen your family. Then you can go save all the black people who are going to fight you, try to stab you in the neck and go, you know, beat you up because you're trying to help. Like, so, so, so just keep that uh, in mind. All right. So, all right. So give me one second here. Uh, all right. This is so much fun. I just love a, a good Sunday morning. Me and Alicia slept in this morning. So today was like, uh, you know, like I, I woke up and she's like, uh oh, she's like, you, you, you feeling it? I said, yeah, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit. So I came downstairs to uh, set up in my office. All right. So let me uh, go back to um, to this. OK, so love bombing is the second method that's used by cults uh, to recruit members. That's basically where you give people a lot of um, false validation, affection, flattery. You pretend like you're interested in the things they're interested in. Uh, these are tactics that politicians use uh, and they work best on people that are stressed, emotionally vulnerable, et cetera, or people that have low self-esteem, stuff like that. Um, the next thing that they do uh, to get you into a cult is isolation. So I'm going to read this to you, and then I'm going to tell you how I think this applies to the way politicians recruit their members. Once they've enticed a recruit with approval or the promise of fulfilling some uh, or, or some fulfilling understanding of the universe, cultists then work to isolate the recruit. Often this takes the form of a weekend retreat where the recruit is immersed in the cult's ideology over the course of a few days. Not only are recruits physically isolated from friends and family who might otherwise provide a reality check, but cults often isolate recruits from outside information. So uh, so what's going on here? The, my translation to this politically is, number one, people on the Internet tend to live in silos now. They tend to hear information that only validates what they already believe, right? Like, so, the, you, you know, somebody starts challenging your belief about the Democratic Party, you end up blocking that person or whatever. Even it might be your cousin, you know, your, your baby, your, your sibling or whatever, right? But you get rid of that person because that person doesn't fit your worldview. The other way isolation applies is um, similar to how a relationship works. One of the things that I've noticed the Democrats are very good at doing 
is that they're, they're, they do they use a tactic that abusive men use when they then when they're with a vulnerable woman and they don't want her to be empowered. They'll they'll say something like, "Well, you know, if I don't love you, nobody will." Or you know, or they'll take it. They, they'll take that person, that that woman, away from her family, so she doesn't have her backup and have her support, right? And so, when you isolate that person and make them feel like they have no options and no choice, like, well, you know, if you if you leave, all you're gonna do is end up stuck with those three kids, and you won't be able to pay no bills by yourself. Like I've seen these things happen in real life. Give me a yes or no if you've ever seen somebody use that type of abuse, either emotional abuse or financial abuse, to maintain control in a relationship. Well. When I see the Democrats, I see the all, all forms of that sort of emotional abuse that says, um, when you say, I'm not happy with the Democratic Party, they come right back and say, well, what are you, you going to do? Go vote for Trump? What are you, oh, you're going to be a Trump supporter now? Right? You know, or, 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 you know, or you say, look, I'm not happy. You guys aren't, aren't, aren't delivering on your promises. Well, I mean, what, else, what other options do you have? I mean, you know, if you go back with them, I, I, I had somebody tell me that, um, that Donald Trump was going to put us in concentration camps. Uh, right. So that fear, that isolation to say this is all you got, this is your only safe haven. Um, that's something that abusers use, like abusers will 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 abuse the hell out of you. But the way they're able to maintain that abuse is to convince you that there's nothing better out there for you anywhere. Right. That's the type of isolationism that I've seen happen in abusive relationships. If anybody does that to you, don't let them do that to you. Get out of that relationship. There, there's always a place for you to go. Um so the last uh, the last thing they mentioned here, which is really interesting, is um, what they call keeping control. I'm going to read this to you. And I'm going to tell you how uh, the Democrats applied this tactic uh, in the last election cycle. After convincing you that they're the best friends you've ever had and bombarding you with the cult's ideology, the cultist's next job is to make sure they hang on to you. There's a variety of techniques they can use to accomplish this, but these usually involve iteratively subjecting the cult the cult recruit to terror and love. In an interview with Aon, social psychologist Alexandra Stein explained that, quote, when we are frightened, which a lot of people are frightened, right? Oh my God, we're going to die from Corona. Oh my God, the police are going to kill us. Oh my God, the Proud Boys are going to mobilize and come in with AK-47s in every black neighborhood, right? Constant fear. And it's never stuff that actually happened, right? Like you cannot show me any example of, of a thousand black people that were murdered last week by the Proud Boys. That, that, that I hold on to that, right? It's usually built on what could happen. Like, oh no, the second wave of the virus is coming; it's going to kill everybody. Or, oh my God, you know, the 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 uh, your, the police might shoot your son, right? And, and and if you present data that says, well, you know, actually, the number of black men shot per year, uh, unarmed black men killed per year by the police is, is less than fifty. It's still something that has to be resolved. But it doesn't mean every police officer has a death wish where they're looking for black boys to hunt that day. They're, that's just not that's not an accurate enough narrative to be able to really solve the problem. The problem is the criminal justice system where right now there are thousands of men and women in prison right now being beaten and raped every day right now right while we're talking, right? Because we're ignoring that because we're worried that every police officer is going to come and kill our son tomorrow, right? Um, I have a 17-year-old son. He goes out into the world. I'm not sitting here worried about that. I'm worried about the entirety of all the things that can happen to him. So the conversation has to be broader than just if a cop pulls you over, you might die, right? That's not even a healthy discussion to have, right? But you keep people on the brink of fear um, or, or the Proud Boys are going to mobilize. And there, there was a fake, in, there was like a Jesse Smollett that they were pulling on people recently where there was a fake letter from the NAACP that was warning that the white nationalist groups are going are mobilizing to come in and start killing people. And again, I'm not saying this isn't possible. Right. And we're not saying that. I'm not saying that this hasn't happened. May, you know, go back 100 years. There were some terrible things that occurred. 
I'm saying that there's a difference between talking about what might happen versus what did happen. And I don't think people know the difference. And that's a really important distinction you have to make, because if you don't, then what happens is that um, they're able to go into this realm of imagination and use their imagination to create something that becomes very real for you. I talk about things that are real. I talk, I say, okay, here's the exact data on exactly how many black people, how many black fathers were taken out of the home uh, during the Joe Biden crime bill. Like this was real. These were real people. This really happened. This is not what could happen. This is what actually did occur, right? Where someone will counter that with something that didn't happen, but could happen, right? Like like Trump could get all the Proud Boys together and come kill everybody, right? Um, but that's that's just not the same thing. And, and, and also as a mathematician and a person who's, who's been introduced extensively to metaphysical concepts from Alicia, Alicia's big in the metaphysics and the subconscious mind. I'm big on mathematics. So when she talks about things that are metaphysical, I'll link that back to things I learned about higher dimensionality in mathematics. And, and so to give you a simple example of, what, of where higher dimensionality gives a person the ability to manipulate you. Um, I want to ask you this. I got a lot of soldiers in the room, a lot of people here that are veterans and things like that. Um, if you're in a battle, a military battle, uh, is it better for you to have the lower ground or the higher ground? If you're in, you know, which one do you want to have? Do you want to have the higher ground on your enemy or the lower ground? Maybe, you know, do you want to be down in the, in, in the cavern where looking up at them and firing up at them? Or do you want, you want to be at the top shooting down at them? You want the high ground, right? The high ground, right? Well, that's a dimensionality concept. Basically, what you're saying is that they're on a two-dimensional plane and you want to be, you want access to the third dimension where I can be the same place as you, but I'm higher than you, which gives me an advantage over you because I can see the whole whole field. Remember, I told you all this links to vision. Remember, I was speaking earlier that that wealth builders are visionaries. They're able to, to go to higher ground above you. That's why high, that's why wealth builders are able to build build wealth while other people are struggling because they're kind of stuck in that lower dimension, right? So basically, uh, at the end of the day, that's what one of the things I'm going to always teach you is go to the higher ground, right? Because that's where the advantage is, and don't let other people get the higher ground over you. So where do, where does this apply to white people and their dirty tricks and how they manipulate black people? Well, when you're a lower dimensional thinker and you're on a low vibration frequency of fear, you're on the lower ground. So they're on the higher ground. They they can go not just to the land of what actually occurred. They're able to go to the land of what if. That's another dimension. That adds an, so, 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 for example, uh, the past is the past, right? Things happen the way they happen. But higher ground is not just what actually happened. It's all the things that could have happened. Right. Or so or, or the future is going to be the future. Like the future, there's only going to be one future, one reality. Right. But the higher ground is where I talk about not just all the things that that do happen, but all the things that could happen. Right. Like like the Proud Boys could come in with a nuclear bomb and kill every black person everywhere. Right. Like like that's a higher dimension. They've obtained the higher ground where they're able to go to the higher ground and send down very alarming, very scary, lower, lower, lower dimensional projections that become real to you. That you see, you see them say, well, you know, the Proud Boys could come and kill everybody tomorrow. And you're like, oh my God, the Proud Boys are killing everybody tomorrow. No, they didn't say that they're they didn't say that they're actually gonna do it. They said they could do it, right? So, but but if you're not able to really think, if you're not a critical thinker, you're gonna miss that. And a lot of our people, unfortunately, are not critical thinkers, right? But media plays a big part in that. The brainwashing of media, I explained to you scientifically how watching too much television. Um, minimizes the strength of your prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for your logical thinking. 
when you don't have a prefrontal cortex, you pretty much, your thinking becomes very animalistic. You, you, you act on instincts, you act on fear, you act on, you know, uh, desire, you know, you, you, sex, hunger, right? Those are the you know, basic instincts that drive you as opposed to sitting back and saying, you know, saying basic stuff like, hmm, that girl looks real good. I'd like to, I'd like to, I'd like to get with her right now. But wait a minute, she might have a disease. I don't want to have no more kids. I don't want to pay child support. I my 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 marriage might fall apart, right? That's what the prefrontal cortex does. The animal instinct is where you behave like a dog, where you just jump in bed with the girl because she's got a big button to smile. Next thing you know, you're crying because you have to pay child support or you got an STD or your wife done left you because you got too many babies mamas out here, right? So, and we know people like this, right? Tell me, I mean, many of us know people like this, right? Who who make decisions and then don't understand where the consequences came from. Like almost like somebody else did it. They're trained to think that way. Just the same way I'm encouraging you and I'm training you to think um, logically and to think intelligently, they've been trained to think like animals and to just move and just do what they're going to do. You know, um, I heard a, I heard a rapper, it, a lot of it's in music, actually. They encourage instant gratification. That's one of the reasons why Black Wealth does not grow is because a lot of the music that, that's planned, again, c- controlled by the higher dimensional thinkers, it's controlled by other people who manage the industry and manipulate the artists. But but I heard one of the rappers in, in his lyrics specifically, it said, um, it said, uh, we going to ball today, fuck tomorrow. Right. So basically, like, I'm going to get mine today. I'm going to live today. I don't care about tomorrow. Right. So. So, again, that instant gratification culture is encouraged and you see it acted out everywhere and you see the consequences spill out everywhere. Right. You know, how do you expect to have a harvest when you didn't plant any seeds? Right. So but you have people like that will say, I have no harvest. I have no money. I have no wealth. I have no nothing. Right. But then you'll say, well, did you plant any seeds? And then all they know how to do is get mad at you because they think that you're being uppity. Right. Or that you're being mean or that you're being critical. No, I'm actually just trying to help you understand why you don't have any seeds you, or you don't have a harvest. You don't have a harvest because you didn't plant anything. Right. So so always remember that, that that higher dimensional thinking is very, very important. So one of the ways that cults keep control uh, is that uh, he says, quote, when we are frightened, we don't simply run away from the fear. But sometimes we run to a safe haven to someone and that someone is usually a person to whom we feel attached. But when the supposed safe haven is also the source of the fear, then running to that person is a failing strategy, causing the frightened person to freeze, trapped between approach and avoidance. So basically what what they're saying is that the cult member will, will use fear and love to manipulate you, pull you back and forth, back and forth. So with, with the Democratic Party, one of the things that black people get is you get con- you get a lot of love and adulation. You know, you see the you see Joe Biden, you know, in the black church swaying with the choir and eating barbecue chicken and pretending like he's down with black people. But then when somebody rises up like an ice cube and says, no, I'm, I'm challenging you, then suddenly it, it, it go they go into gangster mode. They go into gangster mode where they say, okay, we're going to get on the on, on the phone with all of our friends in Hollywood to do whatever we can to stop you from getting any opportunities ever. We're also going to call our friends on Saturday Night Live and get them to clown you as a Trump supporter, even though you never endorsed Trump, you never wore a MAGA hat, you never said that you were only doing this for taxes, but we're going to literally use the power of propaganda to get people to reduce you to nothing but a cartoon character, right? So so that, that sort of back and forth. Um, is, is, is a lot like a pimp, 
right? Like pimps can be the most loving, sweet, wonderful people in the world. You know, oh, baby, you're beautiful. You look good, girl. Being you, we're going to, you know, feeding them a dream. You know, girl, what? one day we're going to go to Tahiti, girl. You're so fine. What? Here, let me get you that coat. I'm going to buy you another mink next year, right? And then, but then the minute she starts to question the system, then suddenly, He's pulling back that pimp hand. He knows he got to keep the pimp hand strong, right? You knock a damn teeth out if she gets out of control. And then you're doing the carrot and the stick. You're letting her know, look, you know, eat the carrot or I'm going to have to give you the stick, right? So basically with the Democratic Party, black people get that. Anybody who speaks up, and I got a lot of this too. I got a lot of this very interesting reaction. And many times it was from black people actually, where they would assume I was a Trump supporter because I did not support the Democrats. And uh, and I eventually I became immune to it. I was like, whatever, I don't care. But but that sort of constant attack of people that are actually wanting something better for black people, I, I see that in that context of this sort of fear, love, back and forth that's used to maintain a cult. So he says also by keeping cult members totally off balance in this way, cults increase their members' dependency on the leader. So they mentioned dependency, they mentioned failed strategy. So the person is like, damn, I don't like my pimp, but that's the place, but I have Stockholm syndrome. So I want to be next to the pimp, right? That's why if you try to live, don't ever try to liberate a hooker. Like Willie D said, let a hoe be a hoe, right? He said that in a song. So don't ever try to liberate a hooker unless she's really ready to be liberated because a hooker will be more loyal to the pimp than, than anybody else. Even though the pimp is the number one source of her problems. Right. So so we, if anybody remember the boondocks, remember that boondocks episode when uh, when a uh, granddad fell in love with a hoe. Remember that? And he fell in love. He fell in love with the lady. And she was um because he, he took her to Red Lobster and she got the cheddar biscuits and all that. And then he, he really got caught up in like all that she could be. He saw what she could be as a human being, but she didn't see that. And, and so what happened? What happened at the end? Well, a pimp named Slickback. Came that was his whole name, literally a pimp named Slickback. So a pimp named Slickback came to the house, and he didn't even have to really fight Granddad to get the to get her back. He was like, he was he was like, don't you hit that woman? Remember he pulled out the belt when the pimp pulled his hand back, and he and he got caught with the belt. And he said, don't you hit that woman? He said, this sir is not a woman. This is a hoe. And and basically he was like. Okay, well, I'm I'm gonna just show you how brainwashing works. Um, he said he said I don't even have to really do anything. I don't have to kidnap her. She's doing this in her own free will. So he gets in the car. Remember, he gets in the car. He's like he's like one, two. He, he says I'm gonna count to five and I'm gonna drive away. Next thing you know, she's running down the street in high heels, chasing his Cadillac because she needs to go back to the pimp. A lot of black people are really being pimped by the Democratic Party. Like you really love your pimp, and 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 similar to that story in the Boondocks, we will have more loyalty to the pimp than we have to our own people. Like we literally, you know, will will be more loyal to the abuser than we are to the people that actually want to help us escape the abuse. Or because many of us are just not ready, just not ready. Like what? Like what do you mean? I can do better. What do you mean? I can do for self? I can't do for self. I need my pimp, right? So you'll go back. You'll keep going back to the same failed strategy, the same failed process, the same party where I can show you data, I can pull out pages and pages of, of data, indisputable data that shows you that this is not working. This is not this is not a successful strategy. 
But it doesn't matter. I keep going back to the failed process because I've been victimized by a cult. And also uh, because I'm caught in this fear and love back and forth where um, I, because of my Stockholm syndrome, I can't run away from the thing that, that harms me the most because I love that thing so much. Right. So 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 if you want to understand the relationship between many black people and the Democrats, go watch that episode in the boondocks. It's called a pimp named Slickback. And if you analyze the behavior of the prostitute, every bit of it is very similar to exactly what you see with black people and the Democrats. It's it's, it's, it's utterly fascinating, actually. And also it reminds you like like when Willie D said, let a hoe be a hoe. Right. Don't try to turn a hoe into a housewife. Like, like that sounds sexist on, on the surface, but it's kind of true. Some hoes don't want to be housewives. Some hoes don't believe that they're worthy of being housewives. So it doesn't mean that you should discriminate. Like, I, I think that if a person has a past and they're trying to do better, you should be patient with them. But they have to make the first choice. If they have to take the first step. If they're not really ready to take the first step, then you got to go deal with somebody else. Granddad should have should have saved the cheddar biscuits for a woman who really felt worthy of that kind of treatment, because in some situations, and tell me if this is not true. Tell me if this is not true. If you have you ever been in a situation where you treated somebody well, and because you treated them so well, you got shitted on in a royal way. You got treated like shit because you felt like that person was worth something that they themselves did not feel worthy of. Do never do that. Never try to love a person with low self esteem because it will only serve to destroy you. Period. Do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button, share and subscribe button. Um, also, uh, my Instagram is uh, the real boy. Oh, sorry, you can follow actually follow the Black Financial Channel on Instagram also if you want to. Uh, that's where we do a lot of financial updates. Uh, you know, and uh, also text the word "boys" to three one nine nine six if you want to get notifications. I'm gonna finish this up and then we'll be done. Okay, so he says by keeping cult members totally off balance in this way, cults increase their members' dependency on the leader, ensuring they retain control. The exhausting frozen state of terror and avoidance overwhelms cult members and their ability to think critically about the ideology. That's where Amanda Seals comes in. No, we we, we don't need no black agenda now, y'all. Forget the black agenda. Forget reparations. We got to, right? Right? Because fear overwhelms, it overrides your prefrontal cortex. You know, you're, you're so busy being scared that you can't make a plan. You can't think strategically, right? That's why, for example, the people that are the best negotiators are the people that you can't scare. Or like, for example, I'm, I'm, I love to play the game of poker because it's a great game of psychology, strategy, and math. I don't like gambling too much. Gambling is not fun for me. But, but, but poker requires you to not be scared. If you walk in there like you're scared, you will get your butt kicked. You have to be ready to lay all your chips on the table and possibly go broke because you have to have more courage than the person that you're against. But you also have to have the intelligence to know which battles you want to stay out of. So either you fight hard or you sit to the side. You don't get in the fight and then start getting squeamish because you're always going to lose. Right. So here. Um, so the last piece they say is that breaking out of the situation usually requires Now this is this is what gives hope to the people that are shifting their thinking, right? I, I, and I've, I've, I hear from you all the time. I hear from people all the time who used to think one way, now they're thinking a different way. And I'm very proud of you, by the way, for being open-minded enough to, to make the adjustments. That's how I became a better man. You know, when, when I, always, I always talk about when I used to be the fat boys, now, now, I'm, now I'm like the slimmer boys, even my face lost weight, right? Um, but when I was the fat boys, the reason I stayed fat and the reason my health got worse every year and I gained more weight every year was because I didn't want to change my thinking. You come to me and tell me to go running, 
I'd be like, I don't want to run. It makes my knees hurt. You tell me to eat different. I'd be like, no, I don't want to eat different. I like pizza and chocolate cake or and Twizzlers, right? Um, and 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 so Alicia basically had to. Uh, I had to open my mind. Like I can only be convinced when I open myself enough to be convinced, right? When I became open minded and said, okay, all right, what well, what's the what's the solution? So I'm pissed off. I'm like, damn, I do not want to run. I do not. It's cold outside. And I, we were running with white people and they would go out in, in like seven degree weather. And I'm like, who the fuck goes running when it's seven degrees outside? Right. But I but I but I just I just surrendered to it. I surrendered to it. And and the benefits were enormous. Right. Like I really had to be willing to let the old boys die or a piece of him die so that a new boys could be born. Right. So in order for people to grow, um, in, in order for you to grow yourself and this is what let's bring it back to you. You're gonna have to find that part of you that's frustrating you, like like whatever it is that that's not working for you. You are absolutely going to have to open your mind for a change. You're gonna have to surrender, like you know when they tell, like the churches do. You know how the churches have people like if you go on through all kinds of shit and they're like anybody want to come up to the altar and give themselves to Jesus and surrender to Jesus and you're like I gotta surrender because you just can't take it no more. Like you can't figure it out the solution, so you're just like I just will bow and. Yeah, right. I'll do anything. And my mother did that. Just as a side note, my mother actually, when she gave birth to me, she was 17 years old and she didn't know. She's like, I do not know how to take care of this baby. So she went to church and she said, I gave you to God. I literally put you on the altar and gave you to God because I did not know what I was going to do. Right. So at some point in your life, you may have to do the same thing. Maybe not so much in church, but all of us at some point, anybody who's ever gone through a real transformation is going to have to take themselves to church. It might not be the Christian church or the Muslim church. It just might be the church of the church of you, the church of the church of happiness, the church of success, the church of of, of of freedom. Like whatever your church is, whatever it is that you want out of your life, like there's a point where you gotta surrender and accept the idea that what you're doing is not working. And so I I applaud you if you've done that. I encourage you to do that if you haven't tried it yet, because it, it'll 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 be almost fucking cleansing. When you find when you, like I do you know how great I feel knowing that I got on the scale and I weighed two hundred and seven point four pounds. And for the longest time, I was two twenty two, two twenty five, two twenty nine. I go to the doctor. I'd be mad because I gained weight and I thought I lost weight. Now it's like I feel slim, trim and sugar free. And it's wonderful. Right. But you got to go through hell if you want to get to heaven. That There's no way around that. Period. So they said breaking out of the situation usually requires some other ally, another cult member who has become fed up with the system or another outside influence. So typically people break out of cults when they talk to somebody who used to be in the cult who says, I'm not doing that no more. Right. And uh, and they said broadly, cults retain control of their members by controlling the narrative. Dissenting voices offer a landmark to cult members that they can use to situate themselves and find their way back to objective reality. So they said that Basically, cult members or, or the leaders of cults will try to control the narrative. Again, that's why we're going to put Ice Cube on, on on SNL wearing a MAGA hat, you know, talking about taxes when none of that's true. Right. We're, we're going to control the narrative or Ice Cube is a sloppy rapper who just threw together, threw together a couple pieces of paper and called it a black agenda. Right. Like, like they, they love to control the narrative or Boyce Watkins is just this crazy black man who's out here talking shit, who, who wants black people to all go vote for Trump. Right. They control the narrative. Right. But but the thing is that when you have people that used to be in the cult and, you know, that that can explain why the cult isn't in your best interest, that that's your best chance to leave the cult. So I used to be in the cult. 
In fact, I'm, I'm curious. I'd like to ask that right now. How many of you, yes or no, give me a yes or no in the chat. How many of you used to be in the cult of the Democratic Party? Give me, give me a yes or no in the chat. How many of you used to be like hardcore Democrat, like, you know, like like all Republicans are racist, even the black ones, even the black Republicans are racist and 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 and, and whatever. And being an independent was stupid. And the Democrats have all the answers. And I'm, you know, Bill Clinton is my guy or or Barack Obama. Like a lot of you voted for Obama, you know, like, like it did, you know, and you're good people. Right. Like you really wanted the best. Like you really thought it was going to work. Like I voted for Obama and I endorsed him before anybody else did. You know, and in 2006, 2007, I don't remember what year it was. Um, I said, you know, this guy's smart. And and Hillary Clinton, you know, he got endorsed by Oprah and Hillary might have a problem. And at that time, it wasn't that didn't make sense because Hillary was really leading Obama by a long shot in the polls. It wasn't until Cornell West got together. Cornell West told me about this, where he, uh, Barack, uh, Jesse Jackson Jr., David Axelrod and a couple other people got together in a hotel room for the entire day. And they said, how do we get black people to support Barack? What do we got to do? And whatever they came up with in that hotel room, and Cornell West told me the story in 2013 when we did an event um, together in New York. He said, um, he said, you know, he said we all got together, and the, the the problem was we can't figure out how to get black people to support Barack, which which sounds almost unbelievable. It almost sounds like when they tell you when you read those headlines that were in the 80s where they said, well, Michael Jordan ever win a championship? Can does he have what it takes to win a title? Right now it sounds ridiculous, but at that time it wasn't ridiculous. So basically, um, you know that that's a great moral to the story that maybe the things that that now seem ridiculous are not going to be so ridiculous 10, 20 years from now, right? So maybe right now it sounds ridiculous to imagine black people running billion dollar companies or black communities being strong and prosperous or black people building their own or black people able to you know own tons and tons of real estate all around the world or black children being the most economically sophisticated group of people in the world. But I'm okay with living in the land of ridiculous until I create that, until I recreate it in the land of possibility. Right. Uh, so so let's look at what's possible for our people. Let's look at what we can do and let's have the patience to go ahead and pursue that agenda without anybody's permission. And I guarantee you that if you do that consistently and and, and, and those of us who care will do this, then you're going to see progress made in the black community. OK, so uh, congratulations to those of you who, who are open minded enough to even listen. Uh, I, you don't have to agree. I know that some of the things I say are a little bit hard to swallow. Uh, but uh, but but I say it because I believe it to be true. So uh, most importantly, I want what's best for you. So uh, do me a favor before we go, hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button if you haven't done it yet. And uh, also, uh, don't forget, you can get a free e-copy of my book, It Takes a Village to Raise the Bar, by going to allblackeconomics.com. And you can also text the word voice to 31996 to get text notifications. And uh, so one of you asked about this. So feel free to go to financialworkbooks.com if you want to take a look at our financial workbooks and flashcards that we have for kids. That's financialworkbooks.com. If you could, uh, please hit the thumbs up button right now. If you haven't done it yet, uh, subscribe on whatever YouTube platform that you're on or Facebook. Also, if you could give me a yes in the chat if you're willing to do this. Uh, if you could just share this video, just hit the share button and share it somewhere so other people can see it. Um, that really helps because we're building black media and I want more people to be to 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 see the message uh, because I believe that if they embrace it and they listen, I believe it's going to give them possibility they never had before. So uh, if you could give me a yes in the chat, if you can just hit the share button or grab the link and just share it to your Facebook page. That would mean the world to me. So thank you guys for listening. I'm out of here. I'm Dr. Boyce Watkins. Thank you guys for hanging out. Um, I'll talk to you soon. Have a good day. Be strong. Peace.